You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. And welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. It is Monday, June 20th, 2022. I'm here with my co-host, the always lovely and wearing green today, might I add. There you Christina go. Dennis. How you doing, Christina? I'm doing great, Damon Frank. Happy Monday. How are you? Happy Monday to you. I thought for a second, I love the, gr- the green is very in right now. Mm-hmm. So for people listening on the podcast, I want to let you know, I have the most stylist stylish co-host around <laughs> you're wearing the it color christina it is the it color right now and you know it's really funny fun fact any picture of a model wearing green is the least selling magazine did you know that that no green i did covers not sell the least isn't that funny so i'm surprised it's it's popular right now but i'll go with it it's my you know what? day it. <laughs> it's working. It's working well for you, and we don't Aww. care what color you're wearing because you always have really great advice and bring so much to the podcast. Here, guys, we're going to have a really great episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Monday, June twentieth, twenty twenty two. It's the crack of dawn. <laughs> the birds are tweeting. It's we're we're careening right towards July, Christina. There you go. I can't yep. even believe it. I feel like I'm a time traveler. I blink and we're in another month. It's going to be Christmas again soon. Oh. Uh, God, don't even say it. Yeah, it was like bite your mouth, bite your tongue. No way, not there, not there yet. We're going to enjoy a Absolutely. summer. Absolutely. No way. We're going to enjoy the summer and we're going to have a great recovered life together uh, this but- summer. All of us. We're going to have a lot of stuff <laughs> going on, so it's going to be fun. Before we get started, though, on my one of my favorite topics, I want to let everybody know, thank you for sharing, liking, following, sending us comments on the podcast. We so enjoy having your feedback. Come join the Recovered Life family over at recoveredlife.us. You can join our community. It's free. It takes less than a minute. And you can ask us questions directly and leave your comments. Come be part of our family. It's called Recovered Life dot us. That's where you can find us, recoveredlife.us. Thank you so much, Christina, for mentioning that. Um, Like I said before, uh, that little break there, we do have an amazing show. We're going to be talking about a topic that I know you want to talk about, Christina, that everybody asks in recovery. And look, whether you got a day or a decade, uh, you're asking, are you doing God's will? Are you doing your own will, right? And that is the topic of today's Recovered Life show. It is, it is the million dollar question or at least the thousand dollar question. And I know that I struggled with this over and over again in early sobriety. And I recognize that Recovered Life has uh, members that are not part of a 12-step community. However, in the 12 steps, step three talks about turning our life and will over to God. And so many people get stumped by this. How about you, Damon? Did you well, know God's I, I will? Would say you're, yeah. Well, you know what? You're talking about God's will. I'm still, I gotta be honest. I'm still a little confused about God's will sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, I do know though, it, it, I, I, here's what I've come up with. Okay. I believe that it's God's will in the absence of my own will. Right. So if I can let go of my own thoughts, beliefs, and desires long enough to sit in the silent gap, right? Mm-hmm. Something emerges. Now, yes. is that God's will? I, I would like to think it is. 
Right, right. And I think God will do what it what what they need to do with it or the universe, whoever you consider your higher power. I know that I've worked with people in the past who would be paralyzed by this question, you know, and not wanting to move forward. And I've heard several different ways that it's explained. They are my favorite. You know, one is you do something. <laughs> you move forward on some kind of issue, you make a decision. And if that's the wrong one, you know, you're not in God's will and you turn yeah. around and you try something else. And I think that's so true that I have in the past with this desire that I was going to do recovery in the most perfect way and not make any mistakes. I mean, we just recently did a show on surrendering. And one of the things I had to surrender to was that I don't always know what I'm supposed to do next. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, one of the things that's confusing about God's will is I think that people have a conception of God when they come mm -hmm. into uh, a recovery, right? When they, when they get sober, I know that a lot of people there, it usually breaks down into a couple camps, people that don't believe in God at all. Mm -hmm. The people who definitely believe in God and and feel that they know everything about God and they're religious <laughs> and all this stuff. And then there's kind of everybody in between, right? Now, for me, I felt like I knew God, but then when I got sober, you know, a question was posed to me and it said, Why would God uh have a nice kid like you end up in mm. alcohol, you know, end up in a 12-step program, end up a drunk, right? How right. how would that happen, you know, if you had this relationship with God? I realized that. One, that was meant to shock me a bit. That wasn't yes. really the question they wanted me to answer. But what this did get me to thinking is that maybe I, my perception of God and my perception with a higher power uh, wasn't accurate. I, I, I realized that I didn't have a relationship. I had an understanding, but I didn't have a relationship. And I think to stay sober long term, when you find God's will for your life, it is, it's more of a harmony about a relationship. It's yes. not God saying you will now do this. And I, I realized that I came in that my God wasn't that nice when no. I first got sober. Like yes, my perception of God wasn't somebody who really took care of you. My perception of God was somebody who punished you. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad that you said that because I do believe that is true. I came from a very religious background and the God that I knew of my understanding at the time that I came in was a punishing God, was one that was kind of keeping tasks and tallying. Oh, she did three good things, but she did these four bad things and I'm going to punish her. And one of the hardest concepts that I had to come up with are kind of realign was this idea that if I was doing good things, then bad things weren't supposed to happen to me. And I would mm -hmm. feel like I was betrayed by God. And so first I had to work on that relationship with God. And then I had to come with the understanding that I am not God. And I know that sounds like, duh, but I really thought that it was my job to run the universe. It was my job to keep everybody safe. It was my job to go in and run your life so that I felt oh good, felt good, and so did you feel good. What I had to understand is that God isn't a punishing God, and at least in my world, God isn't a punishing God, 
and I'm not God. And then the third thing that I had to learn was that I had a set of values. And I always tell this to people. You, we're worried about God's will means we're worried about the ending, right? If you have results in mind when you're taking action, if you have a specific result in mind, then you're probably not in God's will 100%. But if you can make decisions on your value system, then it makes it pretty easy to take the next two steps. And that's what we're supposed to be focused on anyway. You know, I love, I, that. I love right. That. I have a value system. And so then it's very easy for me to look at. It. And I think this is something that we call the principles, you know, of the 12 steps or we have a code of behavior. And as long as we're acting in accordance to that code of behavior, then we can leave God's will up to God. Yeah. And, you know, and here's the thing. I, I love that you say values because. One of the things that I see is a major confusion with people in recovery with God's will is they think it has to do with more people, places and thing decisions. So a, a good example of this is you'll hear a lot of the times that people will, you know, they'll sober up and they'll start to get mm -hmm. life back. And they're like, well, I could I could become an accountant mm -hmm. or I can become a park ranger. Is it God's will for me to become a park ranger or an accountant? And they'll They'll ping pong that back and forth forever. That's really not, I, I don't think what it's about. Mm -mm. I think it's about how would you be, how, how are you going to be a park ranger? How yes. are you going to do the being of being an accountant? It's right. who you are and how you do it, right? Yes. Not what you do or who you're with or the car you drive. This is really the God's will thing, right? Like, so we found, Christina, that like, you know, we're both in service businesses, right? Yes. Like, so we're being of service. If we do it, you know, if I do it through one of my businesses that I have, or if I do it as being a sober coach, I'm still being of service. That's God's will. I believe in my life is that I'm supposed to be of service to other people. I'm supposed right. to inspire them, motivate them and get them to where they want to be right. And need to be. That's more of the God's will, not whether I do it over here or over there. That's just, I think it has a lot to do with footwork in your yes. surroundings. And the next step, right? If you can yeah. look at every decision that you have to make through those lenses and stay open, then you're probably going to end up on the right path. I'll give you an example of God's will or when something gets done and it's easy and you go, okay, that was God's will. Within my first year of sobriety, I got sober in Denver, 1997, and they tell us, you know, it, back then it was 12 steps, that you don't make any big moves your first year, right? That's what they say. Don't make any big moves your first year. Don't make any big changes. Well, at about nine and a half months of sobriety, I contacted a, an old employer and he kind of half happened hazardly, and I can't say that word right now, he kind of put it out there, hey, I'd love for you to come to California. And I had this rule, this legalistic point of view that I'm not supposed to make any moves. But thank goodness, I had a counselor and a coach and people to say, well, just explore it. You know, you didn't make this happen. You just called and said, hello. He came up with the idea. Well, before I knew it, I was out in California interviewing for a job, got the job. They relocated me and I was here. Now, if I had stayed legalistic and in my viewpoint that you're not supposed to move within a year, 
I wouldn't be in this state. And I think sometimes those are really good indications that if it happened to you and it wasn't of your own volition and it wasn't you making actions toward it, that's probably God's will, right? So yeah, I always yeah. tell people that we get very worried about these big decisions. We get very worried about, like you said, what job should I have? Who should I marry? And I tell everybody, you wait until you feel it inside and you will see doors open, you know, that help you go into the same direction, the right direction, because maybe sometimes those doors that are closed is not because you're going in the wrong direction. Maybe it's because you need to learn something at the level that you're at before they open. You never know. Well, I, yeah, you do never know. And, you know, and I think a lot of people are talking about this now post COVID, Christina. You know, we hear a lot about recovered life discussions, people moving from mm -hmm. cities and play in homes that they've lived in forever because of economics, because of the job market has changed, right? Yes. And or their their marriage status has changed, or uh there has been a death, there's been something, and there is this uh there usually is this proclamation at the end of that a lot of the times where it's like, I must have been doing something wrong. Yes. You know, um, and it's so not really the right path, I know for coaching. It's that, you know, it's a more of an accumulation of your life and the things that you've experienced and the things that you've learned and the things that you've done. You know, I was sharing somebody, I was sharing, I think in a past episode in May that, you know, I had put six months to eight months uh, of, of my life uh, back in my 30s and early 40s working to learn a specific skill. Mm -hmm. in marketing that did not work out for me. I made zero money on it. Right mm -hmm. now I was, I, you know, I had a full-time employment. I was, you know, I was doing things, but, but I really wanted to learn this skill. And I really believed that it was God's will that yes. I was going to sort of learn this skill. And I did, and I did everything I was supposed to do. And I was never able to capitalize on it. Well, we were talking a month ago and they're, you're like, where did you get the skill? And I said, oh, I taught it. I learned it like years ago, right? right. I never applied it. Now I'm applying it every day, right? These particular skills every day. And, but in my mind, it was a failure. It's like, well, I experienced this. I got nothing out of it. Zero ROI, return on investment. I thought right. it's over. I lost. I failed. It obviously wasn't God's will. I was just chasing a rabbit, a rabbit down a hole. I'm never going to, right? But that wasn't going on. There was a bigger picture. I needed those skills. I didn't need the win. I had plenty yes. of wins during that period of time. I didn't need the win. I needed the skills because I needed to apply those skills for a much bigger play down the road. Oh, that's so good. That's really, really good. I'd love to discuss it further. Um, I I think that we can apply that same principle to relationships. Um, and, and this is something that I deal with a lot of clients where they feel like they're in a relationship and it wasn't God's will because it wasn't successful. Uh. Yeah. No. Nope. Uh, you know what? I I, I want to dive into that because I know people that are listening right now on the podcast or on the live here. They're saying they're going through this right now. It might not be a significant other. It might be a friend. Mm -hmm. It might be a family member. And they feel that they are 100 percent failure. They feel yes. that confused. It's like, well, I thought it was God's will that I was in this relationship or doing this, had this relationship. And now all of a sudden they're stunned and they're thinking, all that time is lost. All those experiences are lost. You say that that's not true. So after the quick break here, Christina, you're going to jump in and you're going to give us some wisdom about 
relationships and God's will. Hold tight. We'll be right back. If you are newly sober, trying to get sober, or you've been sober for decades and are looking to take your sobriety to the next level, the Recovery Breakthrough six-week transformation concierge coaching program might be right for you. Have Damon Frank and Christina Dennis build a custom roadmap to get you on the path to getting what you really need. Receive hands-on concierge coaching and stay focused and productive with our daily check-ins. If you're ready to experience your recovery breakthrough and start the journey towards the transformation you deserve, book a free get-to-know-you call today and find out what is possible in your recovery. To find out more about Recovery Breakthrough and to book your free call, go to recoveredlife.us. That's recoveredlife.us. You're listening to The Recovered Life Show. Okay, Christina, we're all hanging tight here because we want to hear your thoughts about relationships and God's will. Look, yes. so many people, they're sitting there, they're thinking, I blew it. I got nothing out of this. The relationship was unsuccessful. It must not have been God's will. Well, I think it's important to define success, right, in a relationship. You know, of course, we don't marry because, you know, we're thinking we're going to get a divorce. But I can tell you that all all three of my marriages have been successful to a point, and they've all brought me to this place. And it is important to remember that because I know a lot of people will come out of a relationship and think that was a complete waste of time. But there is no way that if you showed up within your value system and you learned and you risked being loved, that that is a failure. And I think it's really important to realize that. It goes with the idea that if something isn't how we decide it's successful, if something isn't defined the way we think it is, it must not have been God's will. And I've heard people say that over and over again, and it's just not helpful. Of course, of course, we can learn something from every relationship. Well, it's this, it's a zero sum game thinking. And, you know, I will say that I have, I have, uh, suffered from this a lot, mm. you know, um, friendships are one of those too, Christina, you know, friendships, you know, you, you've talked about having friendships that are seasonal. I've talked about yes. having friendships that are seasonal. And I thought, you know, looking back, it's like, well, I'm not friends with this person anymore. Uh, maybe that wasn't a great friendship. Maybe we didn't experience all these things as friends that I thought we did. No, that we did. But there was a season for that. That season ended. There right. might be another season. I don't know. But it wasn't a loss. It was really great, right? So I, I love that you're talking about this, this black and white thinking. I think, how do we get out of that with God's will? You know, that would be my question for you because I know a lot of people are listening to this and they're saying, man, I'm stuck in this. Like, I either think it's this or that. And right. I have a hard time seeing that anything could be a shade of gray when it comes mm -hmm. to God's will. Well, you first you have to always remember that you have your perspective and your perspective is limited. There is a meditation in the language of letting go, which is one of my favorite um, daily meditations for codependence. And it talks about how you can be looking at a picture, but you're only seeing two inches of that picture. And so you have no idea what that picture means. But as you continue to step back, 
and step back and you stay in your value system and you you stay being of service and showing up honestly with integrity every single day, you will eventually see the whole picture. It's one of the things about getting older that I wish we could bottle for younger people, but it's that perspective. And so holding your perspective, wearing it like a loose sweater, understanding that you are just looking at it from your point of view will help you, will help you understand. Plus, there is no cosmic checks and balances. And, you know, that means that we are all living, if we wake up every day and we stay sober and we do what we can to live by the principles, to, to live within our value system, we will know the very next indicated step. And that is all that we have available to us. Absolutely. You know what, for me in my life now, I've realized that, um, you know, I just need to play full out mm -hmm. and let go. So much of God's will is just about letting go and receiving it. Yes. It's not, it's not really about doing anything. It's just letting go of what you think you need to do. Yes, absolutely. And what, and, and letting go, which goes into surrendering and all of these really squishy principles that we talk about, letting go of what you think the outcome is supposed to be. That's why I say defining what is successful needs to change, you know, for many of us, you know, successful marriage does not mean that you're together for 45 years. Now, no one gets married hoping that they will get a divorce, but we can learn from every single one of those experiences that prepares us for the next right thing. Yeah. And I think, I think especially in this post COVID world, in this world, look, the economy is really tight right now and yes. people are suffering, right? Everybody's household income uh, has been squeezed a bit. And, you know, we hear this a lot on a recovered life show fear, which we've done a yes. lot of, you know, in the recovered life community is this fear of economic insecurity fear of not having enough, not being enough, right? This runs rampant in alcoholics. And I think one of the things that we need to realize is that everybody has this. It's not just alcoholics, right? Correct. Recovered alcoholics or recovered people in codependency. It is a common thing. The problem, I think, with this and with this fear that run rampant with people in recovery is that it could have a ramification of relapse are really a breakdown of the quality of your life. Because I think we can go to a place that's not healthy, right? right? And we are a lot of people. We are a group of people that really understand how to experience pain. Like <laughs> no one knows how to experience pain more than we do. It's crazy. It's the amount not of funny, pain that but... we're willing to put ourselves in. It's not funny, but it is, it's ironic though. It's like, we look at this and, and I think the thing is, is that it's like, I've always noticed it's like, Hey, you know what? Take that take that tendency to be able to put up with large amounts of pain. Like how much pain were you in before you actually got Great a program deal. and got sober? Me too. Like it was torturous. Right. And I was able to wade through all of that. Right. I need to take some of that same gusto and apply it to playing full out and letting go. And I'm going to say this final thing with me that I want to ask you about is this letting go of the outcome. Yes. Uh, I think is so essential in the understanding God's will, because we're the ones painting the outcome. Yes. Uh, not God. Yes. And it's often too small, isn't it? 
it is often too small. I always underestimate the blessings that can come my way because of the perspective that I have and self-worth issues that I still struggle with. There is bigger and better available to everyone. And if you set your goals in the right direction, goals that are based on service, goals that are based on showing up and being in the moment and being vulnerable, really don't limit yourself with the outcome that you believe. There are many different ways to get to a place that you're looking to get to. Um, we've learned before that hope is a cognitive um, process. It's not an emotion. And hope is around understanding, I do know what direction I wanna go into, but I'm incredibly flexible about how I'm going to get there. And I believe that I can get there because I continue to do these esteemable things and live within my value system that allow me to show up and be sober one more day, show up and connect one more day and show up and, and really be there in this world. I mean, that is how we play full out. That is how we live the best fulfilled life we can. And this is it, Christina. And you know, the thing is, is that I always say, one of the reasons why I love doing the show with you is we eat our own dog food. So yes. the stuff we're talking about here, we, you know, we eat our own dog food, man. Like, like this is like, we eat what we say that mm -hmm. we're going to do. And look, I, the recovered life show and the recovered life community, this is part of it for us. You know, we've really ramped this up. You know, I, I realized that I had certain skills that I had acquired over the years that aligned perfectly with what I'm doing now with the show. Right. Right. And with the community and with the coaching business and all this stuff. And it does not mean though, that I don't have to play full out, but I will tell you there is a freedom in the realization. And I've seen this with clients and I've seen this with myself is I told you before this episode started, we're looking for a couple big milestones that are going to happen this fall yes. with yes. us that we've been working for. And it looks like we're on our way there, but we aren't necessarily focused on those milestones as much as we are. Our communication back and forth, Christine, is more like I did the footwork to make sure that this got done so we could be in a position to receive the gift as opposed to just talking about the gift. Yes. Right? Yes. And this for me, and for me, it's taking care of myself at a level that I would take care of other people, really building into my daily recovery plan and my world, this self-care, taking responsibility for my nervous system and how I show up. And, and I didn't have those skills when I first got sober. I really didn't. I was focused on everything outside of me and what other people needed to do and what I needed to accomplish. And uh, long-term recovery has taught me that I play way too small and it's time for me to open up and be there, you know, and be a, a conduit for the service that comes from recovered life and other things. Abs absolutely. You know what? I was going to say that my biggest regret in recovery, and I don't have a ton of regrets, but my biggest regret is I played too small. I mm -hmm. wish I would have played way bigger. You know, I want to send a message to everybody in the recovered life community. Anyone who listening, you're part of our family, whether you listen at once or mm -hmm. whether we interact with you on volley every day, right? Um, you know, playful out. That's the key. You only have one life playful out because uh, you're not going to miss anything. It's not about the destination. It's really about playing full out. The rest of the stuff will come, right, Christina? Like that's the biggest coaching thing I could do is like pushing people to play full out. Like well, this is your time. If you're listening yes. to this, 
This is your time to play full out. Whether you're sitting there and you can't walk or you're in a, you know, recovery treatment center, this is your time. Like do it. It is. And it's God's will for us in recovery to show the world how to live. It is God's will for us to have the best life that we can have. Believe that. And so when you're sitting there paralyzed with what do I do next? Reach out to somebody, figure out what your value system is and take that next indicated step. Definitely, guys, take that next indicated step. This has been an amazing episode, Christina. This is one that I'm going to reference back when I feel that I'm not in God's will. I'm going to go mm -hmm. back to this and I'm going to listen to this episode because I found it's about being in a community. And that's what Recovered Life discussions are all about, guys. If you are not, if you're sitting like, I love the Recovered Life show, but mm -hmm. I want to be in the Recovered Life show, we're inviting you right now to come in to a Recovered Life discussion. We talk about these topics and we re-air them as episodes on the podcast, but you can be on them. And all you have to do is go to recoveredlife.us, become a member, and we will give you access to all the different events that we've got and the times that you can join us on the Recovered Life show. Christina Dennis, thank you so much. I think we've answered. Are you doing God's will or are you doing <laughs> your own will? All right. All right. Everybody take care. I'll see you guys. Episode. This is Monday, June 20th, 2022 in the can. We'll see you next time, guys. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.